you'll turn in your Bibles to Judges, as you see on the board, Judges 13, and we don't know if we'll get to 14, but we'll try and read through chapter 13, and what we're doing is continuing our study here, and we are in the book of Judges. Make comment that, you know, the kids coming to say their verse, obviously the biggest benefit is, is to hide God's word in their heart, but also is practice for public speaking, right? As you can see, Violet, she will make a good speaker one day. She had somebody buttoning her thing, and she didn't break concentration, wasn't distracted, <laughs> hands all up in her face. And sometimes it's like that, right, when you're doing something publicly, even when you're saying a verse. But anyway... So we're in Judges 13, and what we like to do is maybe try to read through at least 13 just so we can hear God's Word read audibly, and then we'll go into other places. Chapter 13, verse 1, Now the sons of Israel did again did evil in the sight of the Lord, so that the Lord gave them into the hands of the Philistines forty years. And there was a certain man of Zorah, whose name was uh, from the family of the Danites, whose name was Manoah, and his wife was barren and bore no children. Then the angel of the Lord appeared to the woman and said to her, Behold, you are barren and have borne no children, but you shall conceive and bear a son and give birth to a son. Now therefore be careful not to drink uh, wine nor strong drink nor eat anything unclean, for behold, you, for, for you shall conceive and give birth to a son. And no razor shall come upon his head, for the boy shall be a Nazarite to God from the womb, and he shall begin to deliver Israel from the hands from the hands of the Philistines. And the woman came and told her husband, and saying, A man of God came to me, and, and his appearance was like the appearance of the angel of God, very awesome. And I did not ask him where he came from, nor where, uh, nor did he tell me what is his name. But he said to me, Behold, you shall... Conceive and give birth to a son. Now you shall not drink uh, wine, nor strong drink, nor eat any unclean thing. For the boy shall be a Nazarite to God from the womb uh, to the day of his death. And Manoah entreated the Lord and said, O Lord, please let the man of God whom thou hast sent come to us again, that that he may teach us what to do for the boy who is to be born. And God listened to the voice of Manoah. And the angel of God came to the woman as she was sitting in the field, but Manoah, her husband, was not with her. And so the woman ran quickly and told her husband, Behold, the man who came the other day has appeared to me. And Manoah rose and followed his wife. And and when he came to the man, he said to him, Are you the man who spoke to the woman? He said, I am. And Manoah said, Now your words... Now, when your words come to pass, what, is, what shall be the, boy, the boy's mode of life and his vocation? So the angel of the Lord said to Manoah, Let the woman pay attention to all that I said. She should not eat anything that comes from the vine, nor drink wine, nor strong drink, nor eat anything unclean. Let her observe all that I commanded. Then Manoah said to the angel of the Lord, Please let us detain you so that we may prepare a kid for you. And the angel of the Lord said to Manoah, Though you detain me, I will not eat your food, but if you prepare a burnt offering and offer it to the Lord. For Manoah did not know that he was the angel of the Lord. And when 
Manoah said to the angel Lord, what is your name? So that we, so when your words come to pass, we may honor you. But the angel Lord said to him, why do you ask my name? Seeing that, uh, seeing it is wonderful or incomprehensible. So Manoah took the kid with the grain of uh, the grain offering and offered it on the rock to the Lord, and he performed wonders while Manoah and his wife looked on. For it would, and when it came about, when the flame went up from the altar towards heaven, that the angel Lord ascended in the flame of the altar. And when when Manoah and his wife saw this, they fell on their faces to the ground. Now the angel of the Lord appeared to uh, appeared no more to Manoah, nor to his wife. Then Manoah knew that it was the angel of the Lord. And so Manoah said to the, his wife, "We surely shall die, for we have seen God." But when his wife said to him, "If it, the Lord desired to kill us, he would have not accepted a burnt offering and a grain offering from our hands, nor would he have shown shown us all these things, nor he would have let us hear these things at this time." Then the woman gave birth to a son and named him Samson. And the child grew up, and the Lord blessed him. And the Spirit of the Lord began to stir him in Mahanan Dan between Zorah and Eshtiel. So let's uh, go before the Lord one more time, and then we'll continue our lesson for this morning. Our Father, we just ask, Lord, that your servants here listening to your word, that you just open our eyes, that we might behold wondrous things from your law. Lord, just name we do pray. Amen. So here we are in the Judges chapter 13, and this is a very significant chapter. Significant in a number of ways. One, it's not quite in the middle, but it's sort of in the middle of this book and this time period called the Judges. Well, Ruth extends and so does Samuel, I guess it would be in the time period of the Judges. But Samson is the last named judge in this book. There's still eight, seven chapters after. Well, actually, the story of Samson extends a little bit. But there's more chapters after. But Samson is the last major uh, judge named here. It's also significant because somebody who maybe doesn't know the Bible, if you mention that name, Samson, it speaks of strength, right? He is a guy that's a Herculean-type you know, strong man and, you know, whether he actually looked like that, I often wondered, I mean, was there something about him that, man, his muscles were popping out everywhere, you know, sort of like, you know, like a Luke Hansford, you know, looking <laughs> big and strong. But, you know, I, you know, honestly, I think he wasn't because even the Philistines were wondering in one point in his life, like, where do you get your strength? Where is it that you can do these kind of things? Now, of course, he was, you know, at one point, you know, he was killing a thousand people and, you know, doing some stuff and carrying uh, gates of cities on his back. You know, that's not normal, even a person with a lot of muscles. But in any case, I I think he looked like a normal person, just like the Lord Jesus. You know, somebody who uh, would have just walked in the middle of the crowd and gone unnoticed. So Samson was like that. But Samson also is very different in, in this, that the other judges, if you look at the, now, of course, there's, there's many judges. Let's whoa, oh, good, it's working. I know this is very small. This is from, I got this from the internet, but this is an outline or at least a timeline of the judges that are named. Some of which um, in the purple, um, not all of them, because Jair and Tola are not, uh, they're just mentioned. They're not, their stories are not actually recorded, but Othniel, Ehud, Deborah and Barak, Gideon, Jephthah, Samson, 
You have many that are, are, are named there, and their stories are recorded for us. Um, but Samson is different in this, that Othniel, Ehud, Deborah, Barak, Gideon, um, Jephthah, Gideon would be close, but most of them were commanders of an army, right? They led the people, and they went out. This is part of their, their occupation as a judge. There's other things that we'll look into, but they, they led an army out. But Samson, you don't see him leading an army. You see him doing a lot of things on his own, right? And, and, and it's in, right here in the first verse, well, actually, no. Um, in verse 5 of this chapter, he's beginning something. He's not going to end it, right? It doesn't end until um, even uh, under Samuel, it was still going on, this occupation and, and Israel still afflicting punishment through different judges and the kings that would follow. But I, I, I guess until David, right after David, there's not much mention about the Philistines. So it wasn't until that time that there was complete you know, deliverance. I mean, under Saul, under Saul, they weren't paying tribute to him, right? Saul was inflicting punishment on everybody. But um, the beginning of the deliverance from this group of people called the Philistines was going to begin under Samson. But he was going to do it by himself. And, and through the choices that he made. Um, you know, we, we make choices uh, as a believer throughout the day, whether we consciously think, well, this is what I'm going to do, or it's just our routine. And it's, I find it interesting when you look at Samson and, and those who are familiar with his story, you know, we tend to look at it and say, well, you know, Samson, the biggest thing, the glaris, uh, glaring weakness that we look, well, he had a problem with lust, or you can say maybe he had a problem with the opposite sex, whatever it is, and we tend to focus in on that. But, you know, he, 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 the choices that he made, you know, God still worked in his life, and God still used those things. And, you know, I, it doesn't take long to reflect in my own heart. You know, I don't always make the wisest choices, but God still uses me, right? So what does that tell us? That, one, yes, we do want to make sure that we're clean vessels and honorable vessels, right? The, the Scripture talks about that. But what motivates us is our view of who our God is, right? And that he's loving, and he's gracious, and he wants to use us, but not just a set of rules and regulations and weights that we can put upon ourselves, but our view of our creator, right? And that's the idea of the Nazarite. That's what he was going to be done. That's what's going to, uh, his, his parents were going to set the example in their family, right? Nazarite, dedicated to God, and through this, this man, right? He was, it doesn't say he actually crossed that dedication until the end, right? The final um, the final, I guess, the final story of his life where his, his hair is shaved and, and one, you know, he was supposed to keep that dedicated to the Lord. But um, he's also mentioned, too, significant. Uh, he's also mentioned in the New Testament, right? In Hebrews 11, the great hall of faith, there's not much said about him, but um, the writer says that of Samuel, who was a giant, you know, in the Old Testament, Samuel, David, Jephthah, and Samson. Right, so he's mentioned in line with these people. I mean, some of those names I wouldn't want to mention. You know, Jephthah and the things that he did towards the end of his life were kind of weird. But, um, you know, these people were everyday people. And the Holy Spirit records only their stories. So what does that say to us? I mean, is it just history? There's something to be learned here. Um, if we look at the... the if we look at the... Um, and all this is a sort of an overview before we get going... But um, if we look at the position in our Bible where Judges is, um, the first five books 
we have the first book, Genesis, which is the origins of man. And then God sort of narrows it down into that book to just one man. And then it follows that throughout the, the history of that one man and then his children, right? In particular, Isaac, Jacob, and then his 12 sons, right? It's not the history, the Bible's not the history of mankind, even though it does have the origins of it. But the first five books is God, the Bible didn't exist, obviously, then not, of course, this whole book, but at some point, right, there were parts of it recorded. Moses records the first five, and that's what we have there, them coming out of Egypt, um, going into Egypt, and then coming out by great deliverance, and then traveling around in the wilderness, and then we just finished Joshua. They go into the land, they possess it under the great leader, right, their captain, he goes in and possesses it. Moses couldn't take him into it. And then Joshua follows through. But now it's different. Judges is a little different. Uh, Joshua dismisses them. He says, go back to your land. But there's still fighting going on. And, and you see in the beginning, you know, Judah and Simeon going and doing something. But it's not the, it's not the whole congregation, right? They're in their tents. And then you see um, later, um, I think it's Dan, at the end of the chapter, right, they're going out and doing something. And, and Joseph, Joseph's uh, two sons, Ephraim and Manasseh, they're doing something. And so there's still battles being fought. It's a continuation of Joshua. But um, one thing is interesting, you know, Joshua and Judges is the first time that we read in the Bible that the people of God are instructed to follow the written word. We just heard it this morning, right? Um, in, jo- in Joshua 1.8, he's instructed to have the book of the law not depart from his mouth before God spoke to them directly, right? And he still was going to be speaking to them in different ways, prophets and, and whatnot through the history, uh, through the story of the Bible. But Joshua was told, listen, meditate on the word. Let that dictate your life. Let that guide you. Here's the blueprint. Don't trust your own feelings at times, right? Our feelings can de- betray us. Here it is, Joshua, let this dictate your path. Let you, as you walk around in that promised land and conquering, let that uh, dictate your life. And that's very uh, significant to us as in this day and age, right? We're given the whole Bible and we're called, right, to let this be our guide, right? With the Holy Spirit interpreting it and giving us uh, understanding of these things, right? We need help. But this is our guidebook, right? So that's very significant. When we come to this judge's book, as a believer now in this time, there is lessons here. And 1 Corinthians talks about that, that these people did things, right? In this, in this old time, 1 Corinthians 10, they were given as examples for us that we should not crave lustful things, right? That we're not to crave after these things as they did. But it says this, um, nevertheless, take heed you know, to these things, for if you think that you stand, you're going to fall. And I'm paraphrasing sort of it, uh, what it is. Let me just read it exactly. But we're going to look at Samson. We can say, well, look, uh, Samson, look at this. No, no, no. You know, you, you wave your finger at it, and I don't know whether it's our human nature or my human nature, but um, now these things happen in examples for us. This is back to 10.6, uh, 1 Corinthians as examples for us that we should not crave evil things as they also crave. And therefore, it's verse 12, uh, let him who thinks he stands take heed lest he falls. And so we might think that we have mastered and we can shake our, our finger at, at Samson and say, well, look at this, you know, just don't go down to the Philistines, you know, only love 
Christian, uh, opposite sex, whatever it is that we can say, but believe that you don't, uh, that this can't happen to you. Don't believe that it can't, right? Because the flesh, I was just having a conversation with a brother out there um, that, you know, our feelings and what we feel every day as we're walking through this life, when I wake up, are, betray me a lot. I, there's something that happens right in front of my eyes, and my gut instinct in my brain is to do this. Well, hold on a second. If I went ahead and did that, that would have been a sin. Or something that wells up inside me, well, I want to go out and get that, or some kind of pleasure. Well, hold on a second. Well, is that the way that God has prescribed it? Is that what's found in the book of the law? Well, it isn't, right? So the feelings and thoughts can betray us, but the, the blueprint, God's word will not. And so Samson is an example for us. He is a man of faith, right, as we mentioned in Hebrews 11. Um, he's also, as we said, the last main named in this book, because uh, Eli, while he is mentioned in Samuel, if you lump him into that before the time of the kings, they're also judges. Okay, so uh, before we look into the cycle, well, who are these judges? Um, I found this interesting, too. You know, they're, they're called for deliverance. They were called up, they were raised up, and God gave them uh, either battle sense or he gave them a battle plan. He gave Samson great strength, right, to do things. The Spirit of God came upon him, it says, multiple times when he met the lion, when he was on the rock, and he killed them with the, uh, killed a thousand people with a bone. At different times, right? But these judges just didn't do that. As Samuel did, right, we get a little picture of it. They judged the people of Israel in that they brought them back to the Lord. Look at, um, maybe some brother would like to read First Corinthians, uh, Chronicles. <laughs> 17, nice and loud if some brother would. 17 verse 6. Okay, so the thing I want to look at in here, while this is a completely different time, but it says there that he commanded these judges to shepherd the people. And so these, these judges weren't just leading the people to victory, which was very important, but they were also bringing them back right to the Lord. They were bringing them back in a way like I think of, of, of Jehoiada, the, one of the priests that um, this was later in their history, but... He made a covenant. You know, there was some falling away through, um, through Ahab and, and Baal and all that worship. And then an evil woman came up and started killing the kings and the king's family. But there was a priest who set aside one son through this woman who brought him. But he, at the time when it was time to put the king back on the throne, what did he do? He made a covenant with him. He pushed him back and says, you know, the, you're already the Lord's people. But what he was doing was adjusting their hearts and their minds and said, Let's come back. Let's realize that we are the Lord's people. Let's go back to him. And we have these judges doing that. They judged Israel. But it says they shepherd him. Um, this is a very interesting term because this is the same term, right, that we have of our modern-day elders, right? They're called the shepherd 
God's people. And, you know, these judges, do we need judges today? Do we need deliverance from a certain evil or some kind of sin? Well, I believe that we we do see this right in the New Testament. Now, of course, we're not going to see deliverance, the one deliverance that we had from the presence, I mean, excuse me, from the penalty of sin was taken care of right on Calvary. But um, Timothy is instructed in the New Testament to pay attention. Let's read it before I get to it. First Timothy 4 and verse 16. Pay attention, pay close attention to yourself and to your teaching. Observe these things for, uh, for as you do these things, you will ensure salvation for both yourself and for those who hear you. And so Timothy is called, listen, judge yourself and also those people who are hearing the word. Well, what are they hearing? What is it that they need saving from? Well, in this chapter, it's referenced back to the first verse, which says that the Spirit expressly says, the Spirit told Paul, listen, in the last days, there's going to be people in this church, in the worldwide church, that are going to fall away. What do you mean? How are they going to fall away? Well, you know, are they going to go out and start worshiping uh, demonic things. Well, it just says this. They're going to forbid marriage, advocate abstaining from foods. They're going to place weights on the people of God to bring them back under some kind of bondage like the law, right, of doing something. And he says this. He says, pay close attention, Timothy, how you're going to combat this. You're going to ensure yourself salvation for yourself and for those who hear it. How? Through the teaching, right? So the people of God do need judges today. They do need some kind of deliverance from sin. Not from, like again, the, the deliverance that the Lord Jesus can only provide is something different. But every day we need brothers and sisters, right, coming alongside, shepherding one another, ourselves too, our own hearts, but to, to bring them back to the Word of God, to say, listen, you know, this is a pitfall. There's going to be somewhere that's going to draw you away from God. That's what they did, right? That's what these people in that time and judges did. They were drawn away from God, and then something happened. We're going to look at it in a minute. But what about today? We do need judges, right? We need judges in our own hearts. But also we need uh, 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 people to come alongside the people of God, right? Uh, maybe one-on-one. Maybe it's, maybe it's in a big congregation, right? But... In any case, and it's not just men and women, right? We see here, look, she was a prophetess at that time, and yet she judged Israel, Deborah. There's women too. And just uh, make a note of this. If you do come, right, to, to come alongside, right, the Christians to help them or to judge them, just be wary of how you do it, right? This is not your flock. These are not your people, right? This is God's people, and so the way and the manner that I come and talk to them, right, especially if it's something right, matters too. And so in the New Testament, you know, we're called to move and motivate ourselves out of love. Um, and so the way that they judge people, right, we have Jephthah failing in that. We have um, different people failing in the way that they dealt something, right? There was an opposition in Jephthah's life at the end of his great victory, and he ends up killing the people of God. I mean, could you imagine that? And, and you can do that. Maybe not, you know, physically, you're not going to kill 42,000 people, but you can destroy, right, a Christian life by the way you do things, by the way you judge, by the way you shepherd. And so just be careful, as these judges are great examples for us. But Samson was a loner. And so now the sons of Israel did evil again in the sight of the Lord. And so this has probably been covered. I wasn't here for the, the, the beginning, but this is very important. 
Because judges, you can look at it as this cycle, right? There's something that happens. We won't take the time because we're going to keep moving. But in chapter 2 of Judges, in verse... Um, in chapter... Uh, sorry, chapter 3. I'm sorry, I'm looking at 3. Uh, chapter 2, verse 11, and the rest of that book, uh, excuse me, that chapter, that is this cycle. And what happens is, is it starts with Israel serving the Lord. And then what they did is Israel then makes a decision, a poor one. They turn to some kind of sin and idolatry. And then what they do is they provoke God. Now, this is interesting. You know, we think, I don't know of our concept of, of we truly grasp who God is, but, I mean, when we say he's provoked to anchor, I mean, we, that is an awful thing, right, to have uh, a God who's angry. But he's, he's jealous over them. He's moved, by, he's moved by different things, but he was very jealous over them. He was their possession, right? And it affected God in heaven by the things they were doing. So he provoked them to anger. And then what happens? And this is, this, is, this is practical to us. Israel is enslaved. And so while at this point in your life, right, there's some choice that may lead to sin or a bad choice, look at where it ends up. James talks about this, right? It ends up in slavery, Sin when it's unchecked, right? It leads to death. And so Israel is an example for us that a a bad choice or a sinful choice or a sinful pleasure or a sinful pursuit is going to lead to uh, slavery. And so God says, you know what? If you want to keep going this way, you want to serve Baal, Ashtoreth, you want to serve the newest things, the latest craze out there, whatever it is, have at it. And it led to their slavery. God's protections was dropped, right? And he let other people come in and rule his people. So they learned the difference, right, of freedom, what they thought they were going to get, you know, by serving multiple people and gods. They said, well, this is freedom. It ends up leading to their slavery. But if they serve the Lord, right, it leads to their freedom. So it ends up that Israel cries to the Lord. Various times, talk about God being angry, but God was also moved by their misery. And, their, you know, we see God being compassionate. Uh, in chapter 10, it says that God could not bear their crying any longer. And that, and that to me speaks to my own heart, that God is affected by the things that happen here on earth. God's affected by the things that happen in my own life. You would think, I mean, I think of as an individual, to use myself as an example, I work for a, a fairly large company, uh, Memorial Hospital, so does Rex, but we have a boss, his name is Frank Sacco. I know all about Frank, right? I get his emails all the time. I don't know if you check them. You know, he, he tells us some, you know, feel-good story about what Memorial is doing, and it's great, right? But Frank doesn't know any, anything about me, you know? Maybe I see him at some charity event. Actually, I saw him in the beginning, but he doesn't know anything about me. He doesn't know the things that I'm going through. He doesn't care about those kind of things. He just sees me as employee number, blah, 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 and then Brian Skelton, and this is how much I'm paying him per hour, right? Maybe, if he looks at that far. But we have a God who it doesn't operate with that. There's 12,000 people in that company, but... God has this, has you know the whole world, but He has the church, and this is where His focus is. And He cared; He could see right into my heart, and He cares about those things that I'm making and the choices that He makes that I make. He does; it does matter, right? And it can affect Him in heaven, right? Jealousy. Um, and then when I cry out to Him, does God hear those cries? He does, right? He does. In chapter 10, it says that He w- He could not take their misery any longer, so it was like a weight on His heart, right? And He eventually. God raises a judge, and I put in parentheses judges in the case of Deborah and Barak. 
actually, some of these judges, if you look, if you look online, now I haven't done the full research, but some of these judges actually overlap, and especially when it comes to Sam, uh, Samson. I think at this time some people put Eli, which he did judge, he was the high priest at the time, was around at when Samson was uh, doing his, his business here in, in 13 and on. But judges, Israel is delivered, and then Israel serves the Lord, right? They, they brought back to the Lord, but as soon as that judge dies and the people maybe of that generation go away and they didn't see the deliverance of the Lord, they look around and says, you know, the Lord is boring. Let's go out somewhere else, whatever their motivation was. And so it says here that, again, they did evil in the sight of the Lord. So the Lord gave them into the hands of the Philistines for 40 years. Now, sometimes um, some, some of these events, one of the things we didn't read in two, but while they went away and they were brought back, it says the next time that they went away, they chose worse, uh, worse things, right? They went deeper into it, and the slavery was in more and more embittered. And that happens in, in our own life, right? We can choose to do something wrong, right? And there's, and there's maybe a little, there's uh, some kind of consequence. But again, there's another choice. And there's more choices. The more choices you make, the more difficult it is, right? The more heavier the bondage is and slavery and the consequences. And we see that in their life. Now, some of these people obviously... Actually, all of them didn't live the whole length of this, right? Because we're looking at it as a group of people. But these people lived in this time. And, you know, it says at different times, especially in Gideon, that they they pressed Israel very bad, right? And so in this particular case, they're serving the Philistines 40 years. And it says here, there is a certain man of Zorah from the family of the Danites whose name was Manoah. And he bare, and his wife, and his wife uh, was barren and bore no children. Now, this is interesting. Before we come into um, the angel of the Lord coming to them, you notice here that it doesn't say that they cried out to the Lord. You don't see any of that. You don't even see Manoah and his wife praying that the Lord would deliver. You don't even see them praying. It's not recorded that they wanted a son. Was that on their hearts or their or a daughter? Of course they wanted children. So you see that God, as we mentioned before, he, he, he's interested in what's happening with his people. He sends somebody, right? He sends uh, the angel of the Lord to go talk to them and to tell them the good news. And so it does, it's not recorded that they even prayed for it. But God was, was concerned. And sometimes when we're not even concerned about our own Christian life, it's been, uh, uh, I heard this a while ago, but God is more dedicated to our Christian life than, than we are. If, that, if you can imagine that, right? My own Christian life, right? God is more dedicated and wants me to be successful than myself. And because... Sometimes my own worst enemy, right? I can make, you know, right turns, left turns, and, but God's the one that wants to bring me back, and sometimes without even me knowing it, he'll bring correction and set me right back on the right path. And so here they are. Um, uh, there's a situation. They have no children, right? And so it doesn't even say that they prayed for it, but God answers their prayer, right? And so they come. Now, one other thing that's interesting about this, it says the family of the Danites. I'll just mention this, but I found this, you know, it's always good to look back at these fulfilled promises. You know, because it gives encouragement to our own hearts as we think of the promises given to us. But there was a dying man, um, one of their forefathers, that spoke at, at his, you know, he was, he was dying, but he spoke about his 12 sons. And it says, I mean, normally when we get to this chapter in Genesis 49, we, we, we end up stopping and spending time on Judah, right? And of course, for good reason, because 
the Lord Jesus comes through that line and the scepter shall not depart and all that. But what it says of Dan, look at this, because he's from the family of Danites, 16, 49, Genesis. It says, Dan shall judge his people as one of the tribes of Israel. Dan shall be a serpent in the way, a horned snake in the path, the one that bites the horse's heels, that the rider falls backward. For thy salvation I wait, O Lord. And so here's Dan going to be a snake in the path, right? They don't even see it coming. And there's Samson being that lone person, and he's going to inflict great punishment through, right, through God's strength and through God working through him. He's going to inflict great punishment on these people as a nation, right? They're going to, they're going to, have, world, uh, they're going to have nationwide searches for just one man, and they can't get their hands on him because God's delivering his people through him. And so I think, uh, I don't know if this is the full fulfillment, but in a partial fulfillment of that prophecy about Dan, you have in Sam, uh, Samson, and it says, we, often we quote that verse, for thy salvation I wait, O Lord. And so going back to his parents, they're, they're not you know, crying out to the Lord. They're waiting, and here's the Lord just answering their prayer. Such a beautiful picture of our God coming in um, and answering. He tells them that, he has, uh, that, there's no, that they don't have a son, but there's going to be a condition. And we'll end up stopping here um, and wrapping up. Couldn't get to all of it. But um, the parents are going to be called to be, while Samson is going to be a Nazarite to God, it's going to start with the parents. right? And so, and then Manoah, while he wasn't there to originally hear it, he asked God, it says this, he entreated of the Lord that send that man again so he might teach us how to instruct right, the boy and what his vocation is going to be. Now, I thought about that. Is that a prayer God's going to answer, right? When a discerning parent or a parent to come, to ask God, teach me how to instruct them, right? Show me how to teach them. Is that a prayer God will answer? Absolutely. He did, right? And not only that, I mean, I believe this is a pre-incarnation of the Lord Jesus, right? That certain conversations, it's funny that I got this chapter again because I think before I had the beginning of Joshua, and the, in the introduction of the captain. But here, it, you know, they're asking him his name and certain things that he just doesn't, it's incomprehensible is what he tells them and wonderful. And so, you know, he sends them the Son of God, right? And so, you know, that is a prayer that God will answer. But the encouragement uh, for us, right, as, as believers, right, and as, as most of us in here are, are, are either were parents or are or parents of young children, or maybe in the future we're going to be parents, we can store that away. But, um, you know, that is a prayer that God will answer. And so their dedication, right, started with them to the Lord, and it permeated, in a sense, or taught, right, Samson. Now, of course, you say, well, why does it only highlight some of the bad choices that he made? Well, you know what? Um, God still used him in that sense, right? God did use him. Now, I'm not saying that, you know, I'm going to give license to go out and, you know, live for yourself, right? There is a difference. But God was seeking an occasion to get, you know, them delivered. And Samson, who was faithful, it says that in, in, in Hebrews 11, he was a man of faith. He, God used him in the choices that he made to start delivering the people from uh, the Philistines. And so the child grew, and so... Fortunately, we couldn't get too far in this, but um, we'll leave that up to your own reading. But it started with the parents, Manoah. It's not even mentioned his wife, but they were, um, were people who were going to be called to be dedicated to God, right? And from that, 
It was going to be a lesson for Samson who was going to grow up under that teaching, right? She, she was going to follow the Nazarite uh, lifestyle that's mentioned in the book of the law, right, that they were supposed to follow after and to conduct their life. And so as, as fathers, mothers here, you know, that's something that we can follow and make it our own, that God, you know, God desires godly children, right? There's lots of children out there that are after another father, right? But God desires children for himself, and so um, we're called to, to, to raise them, right? They're, they're, they're his. They're, they're, while there was a part of human interaction, but that's God forming them in the mother's room, right? That's God doing his work and uh, their gifts, right? And so we're called to, to raise them in the admonition of the Lord and in the knowledge. And so um, just some lessons here from chapter 13, and let's close in a word of prayer. Father, we just thank you for this day, and we just thank you for... This life of Samson, we thank you for the book of Judges, Lord. It's very practical, and we anything in your word, Lord, was written there uh, for our learning. It wasn't just something that is just for history to glance by, Lord. We just pray that we would uh, be, as was mentioned here by the young children and found in Joshua, that we would be people of the law, Lord, that we would be people of your book, and that we would follow after um, your son, the Lord Jesus Christ, and that we would... Uh, seek to serve him, Lord, and that we, the choices that we do make, Lord, do matter. Uh, we just pray that, Lord, Lord, that we would be examples, Lord, in this world, but also examples for those who have children in their household, Lord, that the fathers and the mothers here, Lord, that would seek to honor you first, Lord, and in doing so, they would show their children how to be instructed, Lord, and there's so many things out there, Lord, to pull us away and to show us how to teach our kids, but, Lord, the, the simple uh, truth is, is that, um, uh, the parents who were focused on the, on you, Lord, learned how to instruct their children or their child. And so, Lord, we just thank you for this. We thank you for these people who were real people lived so long ago, Lord, that you record them in your word to teach us something. And so, Lord, just bless this time and, and bless the rest of this day. In Lord Jesus' name, we do pray. Amen.